Yeah. So, um, but great to be here this morning. Just before I get started, Oma Ruth, where's Oma Ruth? Not here today. So I don't have mints, but I definitely know Kelsey's here. So if any chaos happens, she's got some mooses ready and available to bring the, uh, the sugar levels and the, the savory levels up. But awesome. Are we ready? Great. Just thank you again, guys. You, I, I love this church, eh? and we are family, eh? and uh, we work and walk with one another through difficult times, through challenging times, but we do it along with Jesus, eh? and he's the one that carries us and lifts us up. This morning, I want to share a, a message, and I want to remind us about two powerful and very influential words that have changed our lives, certainly has changed my life. And if you're a follower of Christ, it has changed your life. And these two words continue to echo into eternity through generation to generation. The two words that I'm referring to, the two words that I want to speak about today is the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples when he called them. These two words, he said, follow me. Very simple, hey? These words sound simple enough. And I believe these two words, Jesus is still calling and he's still inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. Inviting us to be a part of this incredible relationship and journey in following him. But people responded in different ways because they were motivated because of different things. The crowds followed him for what they could do for him or what, they could, what he could do for them and what he could give them, the feeding of the 5,000. And yet Jesus is concerned about the crowds, the individuals that God called, that Christ called, claimed to follow him, but they were only in it for their own. He was in charge of the treasury and uh, this treasury would supply the needs to the poor. But he was using it to supply his own pockets. Eventually, he would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine that? Some follow Jesus or attempt to follow Jesus, but when his teachings become too tough and the journey too costly, they leave him. You know, the, the disciples were following him. There were many disciples, and Jesus spoke about what it would mean to, to follow him, that you would have to drink his blood and eat his flesh. There was this, this uh, it, it sounds like a zombie movie, but the reality is it was a, a message that you've got to live my life. You've got to do what I do. And guys left him and said, this is too much for me. And his disciples were there and he says, aren't you going to leave me? And they say, where are we going to go? You carry the words of life. Where do we go from here if we don't follow you? Others made excuses why they couldn't follow Jesus. Hey? We make excuses all the time. Lord, I'm going to do this, but let me first do that. Everything to follow Jesus. And I want to ask you the question, what is motivating you to follow Jesus this morning? Where do you find yourself on the spectrum, on the journey 
of following Jesus. If I had to rate 1 to 10, where would you be? I know it's difficult to, how do we even, how do we even measure that, right? How do we measure how we are on the journey? If you say 9 out of 10, you need Jesus. If you say 2 out of 10, you need Jesus. <laughs> the point is this. And it's not about rating ourselves in the scale because I think oftentimes we say, well, that person's a big Christian. You know, he's an, he's an amazing Christian. I'm not such an incredible Christian. The reality is we're all on the same journey of following Jesus. We're just on different times or different places in our journey. But the reality is we have to follow Christ. Jesus did not call us or invite us to fulfill regulations, to be a part of an organization or to become theologians. He just simply said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. It's a way of life, friends. We follow a person, and it's grounded in our relationship with Jesus. He's not just a mentor. He's not just someone that we admire. But he is our master. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the one who holds the keys to death and life. He is the one who spoke creation into existence. He is the one who sustains all things. The very breath that you breathe today is sustained by him. He is the one who paid the ultimate price so that you and I could be in this building today, worshiping him. When he went to the cross and died for our sins and reconciled us by faith in the person of Jesus Christ to the living God. We don't just follow a mentor and someone at, at, we admire. Because I think at times the culture that we live in in this world is one that is built on following that which I'm passionate about, that which I admire, that which I desire. We follow fashion trends. We follow design, home design, all of these things. We follow the stock markets. And we build our lives and we make our decisions based upon the things that we follow. How about social media? We, we, we follow guys that we admire, that we want to be like. Some, something of their life and their message we align our lives to. Someone like Jordan Peterson or Tim Keller or Elon Musk or in Grant's case, Kurt Darren. <laughs> Look, this is a church we don't judge. We don't judge. Yeah, Captain, yeah, yeah. You do you, boo. You do you. But here's the thing. You have the ability to follow thousands of people simultaneously by a click of a button. And this is very different from following Jesus because my decision, if I just click a button to follow someone, doesn't require anything of me. I don't have to do anything. It does not cost me anything. It's impersonal. I'm not accountable to anyone. You're, required, you're not required to change. And I can do it at the comfort 
of my home, on my own time, in my own way. Sometimes I live my life going, yes, I follow you, Jesus, but I'm not going to follow you in this area because it costs too much. Because it's not about me. I think there's certain areas in our lives where we, where we keep Christ out of and, and then we wonder why we're not experiencing the life that he promises us when he says, follow me. See, following Jesus and imitating his way of life leads to a life of surrender, a life of sacrifice, a life of selflessness. I think that goes against everything that we are as people because of this fallen nature, this fallen state and condition of mankind. Is, it, is, is I want it to be about me. I want my life, the focus of my life to be me. Am I the only one in the room here that feels that way? <laughs> hey. See, Jesus is inviting all of us not some, not a few. He's inviting all of us to follow him. But it requires something from us. We can't just hear it. We have to respond to it. If we are to walk in his promise and in his life. Turn with me to Matthew 8, verse 34 to 38. I've got nothing wrong. I've got nothing against Kurt Darren, by the way. So if this message goes out, I wish you well, Kurt Darren. But let's read verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake... And the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and, and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my gospel and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels." To follow Christ consists of three things. Denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following Him. It might not be a message that you feel, geez, I want, to be, I want to hear this morning. But the reality is when we look at the Scripture, Jesus is speaking to disciples and potential disciples I want to keep and make this clear. He's not talking about sonship. In other words, I don't go and I pick up my cross so that I can be saved. No, we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. And when we trust in him, we receive sonship and we are forgiven and we are saved and we become a part of his household. But then we become disciples. And we see this word disciple literally means a student. A student. But it's very different from our context. We, you know, we go to varsity to 
to gain knowledge, to sit and read books and to, to listen to lecturers. And, but when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to following Christ, this is what it, it requires of us. It requires that we don't just learn uh, from a, a perspective of knowledge, but rather that we live by seeing Him, by working with Him on a daily basis, step by step, day by day, modeling after Him, imitating what He did. It's a hard task. We cannot just be content with the knowledge about Him. It must translate for us into a life that lives like Him. Not so. If we are to follow Him, then we are to imitate Him. We are to represent Him. As we read the Scripture, Jesus announces that following Him requires a sacrificial life. And in the chapter before that, and the chapter before that, Peter has this revelation of who Jesus is, that He is the Christ. And on this revelation of who He is, God, Christ, was going to build His church. And then after that, Jesus says and announces to his disciples that he's going to have to suffer many things. and He's going to have to die, but on the third day rise. And so Peter comes to him and, 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 and rebukes Jesus. Can you think about it? I mean, I'll give it to Peter. He's bold, huh? Uh, but he rebukes Jesus because he thinks that protecting Jesus from suffering is doing God's will. But in fact, he was actually opposing God's will because Jesus had to suffer. He had to suffer so that we could be in this place today, forgiven children. Then in this passage that we've just read, Jesus calls the crowds and he says, Right, guys, let me make something clear to you. If you want to follow me, if you call yourself my disciple, then you've got to do the same. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross. You've got to follow me. Because if you try to save your life, preserve your life, if you're trying to keep your life thinking that, no, I don't want to suffer, I don't want to follow Jesus, he says you will lose it. But if we lose it for his sake and for the gospel, he says you will find it. That's the promise that Christ gives to us. We will find life when we lose our life for His name's sake. Friends, it should not come to us as a surprise that suffering is part of our journey and that difficulty is part of our journey. Because if Christ had to do it and we are called to follow Him and imitate Him, then we've got to be willing to face rejection. We've got to be willing to face it. But friends, the gospel confronts the heart of man. And it confronts my heart every day when I see my sinfulness. But man, when I look at the cross and I see my freedom, I see my forgiveness, I see my Savior. And it causes me to live in a way that I want to honor Him and glorify Him with everything that I am. Not just some things of my life. So here's three things I want to leave with us today. How 
Do we follow Christ? Well, first we have to deny ourselves. That root word deny means to disown, to abandon, to reject. We are to reject or abandon that which sets itself up above Jesus. Everything in our lives, and it could be everything. I believe God has given us everything for our enjoyment. Our marriage should be for your enjoyment. Our relationships with our kids should be for our pleasure. God has given us possessions. He's given us all that we have. But they're not meant to be above Christ. The reality is if we don't deny ourselves, oftentimes the things in our lives that He has blessed us with become the very idols that we serve in spite, instead of Christ, should I say. So to deny ourselves is to reject or abandon that which sets itself above Christ. And this is the first step to following Jesus is laying down our will so that we can pick up his will. You can't pick his will up. You can't live for Christ if you're constantly pursuing your will. To be completely honest with you, I think this is probably one of the most challenging things because I, I'm not there. I'm not perfect. But I don't think God requires perfection. What he requires is to follow him. Obedience. Peter certainly wasn't perfect. And yet God used him. And I believe God wants to use us. God wants us to experience the life that he promises We've got to lay down our will. We have to deny ourselves so that we can lay hold of His will, of His purpose. You with me? Jesus calls us to a different way of life. He calls us to a life that puts, puts aside self and puts God and others in the forefront. And Jesus modeled that. That's what Philippians 2 says. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. If Jesus, the creator of the heavens and earth, who is the very nature of God represented in a man, didn't count equality something to be grasped with God, but emptied himself. And the way that he emptied himself was that he came to serve us. Huh? You want to empty yourself of self? Look for an opportunity to serve beyond yourself. Not for any reason, not for any benefit to you, but benefit to the person you serve. Because if Christ humbled himself and did these things, how much more his church? I'd like to say this journey is not easy. <laughs> 
The road to the cross is not easy. Because on the way to following Jesus, things have to die in our lives. Eh? But man, this is a fulfilling life. There's no other place I would rather be than pursuing Christ. And we don't understand the fullness of it yet. But one day when Christ breaks open through the heavens and he returns for you and I, and we stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I tell you what, those words should shape us, should motivate us. I want to be clear. To deny ourselves is not to become a floor mat to others. To deny ourselves is not to sacrifice self-care and look after ourselves. But it's just taking the focus of self and putting it on Christ. Where it demands. Where it needs to be. Secondly, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What cost? For us to deny ourselves is not just laying down the cross. And I think sometimes when people look at Christianity, they say, well, I've just got to stop doing a whole bunch of things. And Christianity is not about a change of behavior. It's about relationship with the living God that changes us from within. And as you change from within, your behavior automatically changes. Your desires change. But here's the thing. When we lay down or deny ourselves and lay down our will, we have this incredible privilege to lay hold of God's will for our lives. And His will for our lives is far better than anything we can ever do. To take up the cross literally means to conform to the example that Jesus showed when He sacrificed Himself on the cross. And this is what we are called to. This is what you and I as Christians, as disciples, as Christ followers are called to. 1 Peter verse 2 says, For to this you have been called, talking about suffering, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. You know, we don't just suffer for doing the wrong things. I think in this world people suffer because they break the law. Suffering comes because we choose to obey Christ, because we choose to live for Christ, because we choose to stand beyond or stand for what the world does not stand for. And when we shine our light, as Nick spoke about last week, and display the goodness of God to this world, it's not always going to be received the way that we want it to be. As much as it is love in action, I tell you what, people despise it because they see it as foolishness. They see it. They see it. They hate it because it, it challenges the heart and the motives of the heart. Just to remind us again, you know, we wear the cross as a symbol of hope, a symbol of, of, of respect and honor to God. But the cross was a violent place. You know, it would be the equivalent of a Roman soldier wearing a gold-plated electric chair. Honestly. 
But yet for us, it is a symbol of hope. And I want to encourage us, picking up your cross means that your life is a symbol of hope. The way that you treat others is a symbol of hope. The way that you respond to crisis in this life is a symbol of hope. Because what, it is, what is it pointing to? It's pointing to Jesus. Picking up your cross, your life. It's conforming to his pattern. But your life should be a symbol to the world in which we live. <laughs> it seems foolish, hey? To deny yourself. It seems foolish to pick up your cross. But man, when we do, we get the promised life that Jesus speaks over us. The last point, and the most obvious point, <laughs> is these two incredible and powerful words, follow me. It's not about reminding us this morning. It's more about how we respond to these words that I think is more important. In Matthew 4, verse 18 to 22, it says this. It says, this is where Jesus calls his first disciples. And I think it's an appropriate place to end. He says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Simple. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. To follow Christ is a daily choice. It's a decision that we make. What I love about this story is that Jesus did not call qualified people to follow him. He called fishermen, called tax collectors. He called outcasts. These were four ordinary men. And all he did was he invited them to join him on the journey of fulfilling his purpose of his kingdom here on earth. And again, Jesus calls the most unlikely bunch of people. I mean, just look at you guys. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Three fingers, whatever it is. But he calls us to imitate him. To represent him to this world. He, he, he called these men who are not regarded in high standard or had great influence to do extraordinary work. And their lives changed the world as we know it. The very reason you are seated here today was because of their decision to respond to the call to follow Christ. And I would love to ask you a question. A hundred years from now, when you are long gone, when you are long gone, how is your life 
going to influence others based upon the way that you followed Christ today? Will churches be filled? Will nations be impacted because we lifted up our hand and said, Jesus, you have given everything to save me, and I'm going to give everything back. What would your life look like? Or what would the result of your life be 100 years from now in terms of the way that you have influenced others because you chose to follow Jesus? The last two things, and I'd like to ask the music team to come up. So we're going to take a moment to respond to Jesus. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means that all other things, our decisions, our desires, our focus, comes under the authority of Christ. You know, all four of these men left everything. They left everything. They left Their parents, they left their occupation. Now, I'm not telling us to do all of those things. But wherever you find yourself, let everything else other than Christ be secondary. Let Christ be the primary focus of your life. You see, to follow Jesus is everything. It's where we find life. I had a friend who's climbed Mount Everest. And uh, he attempted to climb it twice, and because of storms and, and bad weather, I mean, he almost died. But the third time, he managed to climb Mount Everest and reach the pinnacle, the highest point in the world. But he's not in a relationship with Jesus. We've chatted on many occasions, and he doesn't follow Jesus. But he's reached the highest point on earth. Where does he go from there? What else can satisfy him? You know, we think that when we get what we want, that somehow that's going to satisfy us. I mean, it's an incredible accomplishment. I don't take that away from him. But the reality is, without anchoring our lives upon Jesus... Where do we go from here? If he is not all, then he is nothing. Maybe this morning, I want to ask the question, what is getting in your way of following Jesus completely and wholly? Is it your time? Is it your thought life? Is it your lack of ability? Is it your insecurities? How about your own desires? Your plans? Your love for sin? And by your love for sin, I'm speaking about me. An unwillingness to give up control. Maybe comfort. To be a true follower of Christ means to put Him first in your life. And to surrender to His lead. leads me to my last point what makes us followers of Christ is we live for his purpose and not our own when Jesus called the disciples he said follow me and I will make you fishers of men and in our pursuit of following Jesus 
what becomes apparent is that our lives lead others to Christ. That our lives are built on seeing His purpose and His kingdom advance here on earth. There's no greater privilege, friends. You and I carry the keys to eternal life through Christ who is in us, but also through the gospel. We have been called to live with a purpose. Our mission as we follow Christ on earth is that we lead people to Him. And so when you make this commitment, as we have made this commitment maybe many years ago, it isn't for you and I and just for for you and I and for Him, but it's for others. And so as I bring this to a close, we have an opportunity to respond, not just to hear, not just to be reminded of what God has called us to, to follow Him. He has called us into relationship and into a partnership that it has the ability to change the lives of those in this city, in this nation, and in this world. David Platt said this, and I'll close with this. He says, following, when you follow, a follower of Christ not always knows where he is going. But he knows who he is with. If you're a follower of Christ, and, and I, I, I relate to that, that sometimes I don't know what the future holds. And oftentimes I make my decisions on, on following Christ based upon what I do not see. And it prevents me from walking fully into what God has for me because I'm in my mind already weighing up all the issues, all the struggles, all the difficulties, and that keeps me from following Him. But I tell you what, if we know that Christ is with us, if we know that He is with us, we can go anywhere. We can do anything. We can have a hope in the times of difficulty and challenge. And we can experience his life and lead others into that life. That's my encouragement this morning. Let us respond to him. Not to man. Not to an organization or an institution. But to a person who gave everything for you. Please stand. In Mark 10, verse 28, Peter said, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. If you have come here this morning, but you haven't found it because you've been following patterns and systems and passions and desires, 
Today there's an invitation, not from me, but from Christ to experience Him, to come into relationship with Him. If you're here today and you've never heard that call to follow, and Christ is inviting you into a relationship, there's nothing you can do about it, nothing you can do for it, except follow Him, to lay down your life, surrender your will, and lay hold of His will. If you're here this morning and life has just got in the way, things have become busy and we have lost our sight. Maybe we've looked back at our old life and it has caused us to veer off course of following Jesus. Today is a day that we can look ahead towards Him. I want to invite you to respond to Jesus. And that response requires faith. It requires trusting Him. And I would love to invite you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to stand with you. But this is an opportunity to respond to Him. That is you this morning. If you feel stirred to respond to Christ, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Not to embarrass you, I'm standing in front here because, not just because I'm preaching, because I need to follow Christ. Is anyone this morning? Well, then I trust we are following Jesus wholeheartedly. With everything that we are. But we're going to sing this song. As for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. This is a song of following Jesus. Lord, as we sing these words, as we commit our hearts to you, as we choose to follow you and not the patterns of this world, Lord, I pray that our lives would experience the promises and the life that you have promised as we do. As we let go of ourselves, as we lay hold of your purpose and your kingdom, as we put you first above everything else, you promise life, God. And I pray for every single person in this building, Lord. You haven't called us to follow religion and duty and regulation, but you have called us to follow you. Lord, that we would do it wholeheartedly, with every breath, with every bit of strength, so that your name, Jesus, would be lifted up and honored. You gave us everything, and we give you everything back, our Lord. Be worshipped in this place.